0: Hello, and welcome to The Drabblecast, Episode 3. The Drabblecast is a podcast dedicated to bringing strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman, and I'll be narrating these stories. Please feel free to send in stories of your own to goatkeeper at hotmail.com. Please make them under a thousand words, and try and refrain from using any obscene language or anything that might be considered uselessly offensive. Our story today is a bit of drabble called Next Stop by Luke Coddington. I think any of us who have ever ridden in a Baltimore Metro train can relate to this experience perfectly. I'd also like to point out that this story might be slightly offensive to any Metro car train drivers who might be listening. I do apologize for that. So without further ado, Next Stop by Luke Coddington. A cacophony of clanking wheels and rushing air envelops me as I shift my weight, seeking what comfort I can find in the spartan embrace of my metro train seat. After one final fidget, I tug my winter jacket tighter to my body and settle in against another cold, grey Baltimore morning. Weather.com claimed it would reach a sunny 43 today, but it's hard to believe from my 6am vantage point, extremities numb as I stare across the empty metro car. I still need to get some papers organized for the presentation later today, but find it hard to keep my eyes trained on such small printed script. Perhaps I'll rest them for just a minute. Please don't hold the door. You're making everybody wait. Mm hmm. I'm dragged unwillingly to my senses as the obnoxiously loud voice of a metro driver fails to harmonize with the beeping and clanging that occurs when the doors in the subway are impeded with closure. Sir, I can see you. Mm-hmm. Sir, let go now. If the rude awakening hadn't left me so shaken, I might marvel at the oratory prowess which allows Baltimore Metro drivers to sound both indifferent and very annoyed at the same time. In my current condition, however, I simply slump back in relief as the doors finally close on my empty metro car. My left hand is shaking a little. Jesus, I've got to get a hold on myself. The sound of giggling drifts into my recently assaulted ears, leading me to conclude that some teenagers must have been holding the train up for a tardy friend. It must be nice to be able to laugh like that, to actively enjoy oneself, even at the expense of other people's convenience. Those little shits don't even know what they've got. The muscles in my neck twinge slightly as I try to recall the last time I was that carefree. This damn job and that woman who used to be my wife have left me in a daze, unable to relax, yet unable to accomplish. Now here I am, jealous of some young punk who can hold a metro door open and yearning for just one more morning in a warm bed with my wife. The now familiar tightening in my chest creeps in. Anxiety. Almost too much to bear. I close my eyes, it's all in my head, I know it is. Just have to concentrate. Try to relax, like the doctor said. Closing my eyes again. Slumping back, gripping my left arm. Shivering a little. It's all in my head. It's all in my head. Suddenly, my mind and body are snapped back to reality. Cold sweat seeming to freeze on my forehead. Despite the steady sound of unseen suburbs rushing by outside, I hear something else from the inside of the car. It's subtle at first, then grows more audible. I can make out the shuffling of cloth, then the rasping of metal against a hard surface, and then that giggling again. But there's nobody in this car. The shuffling and rasping comes closer, and the giggling. First sporadic, then prolonged. It's not sinister. It's worse. It's almost gleeful. It sounds insane in this dingy metal room. Too late, I realize the noise is originating near the floor. I look downward just in time to see five cold, dirty fingers slip around my right ankle. Two crazed, bloodshot eyes roll up to meet mine. Grunting, giggling, breathing through a thick layer of saliva and subway dirt. He just stares at me at first. For some reason, all I can do is look at those fingernails, imagining them burrowing into my flesh. They're dirty, chipped, and yellow. Urine flows down my leg, but I can't move. It's as if those manic, bloody eyes are holding me down. My body starts to shake uncontrollably, and immediately I regret it because that crazy smile starts to fade from his dirt-streaked face. I can (laughs) see you. You know, he stumbles out in a squeaky, broken voice. A small moan escapes my lips. His other hand is sliding up the floor towards me. I feel you, brother. He mumbles, almost to himself, and then he begins untying my shoe. Your brother? So carefree. He's, he's just down at the next stop. Oh brother, you're drag. I think he raised his voice because i twitched my leg, thinking about taking it away from his grasp, but failing. He smiled after saying drag, exposing perfect white teeth, streaked with the same subway dirt as his face. I thought he would be angry at my attempted flight, but he remains composed, in control. This has a chilling effect on me, and I'm astonished to find words coming out of my mouth why did you say carefree just now he laughs in response a harsh knowing guttural chuckle then reaches the shoe untying hand up to my pants leg you should come down here now he states matter-of-factly, then pulls me down with such force that my hips are sliding over the seat edge before I can lurch up and grab the headrest in front of me. I want to scream, but only can manage a dry, scratchy croak as I feel one of those dirty hands creep around to my shoulder. Shh, <laughs> you're making everybody white," he mutters quickly. Strangely, I find myself giggling just before I slam to the floor of the car. There. You'll be carefree soon. No cares for you. Next stop, he whispers urgently in my ear. I gag on the smell of his breath. Or is that my urine? I roll over in a puddle of it, struggling madly, not caring, just wanting to get out, get out of everything. I crush my nose on a seat leg. Moaning in pain, almost blind with disgust, Fear churning my guts, I scramble a few feet out into the aisle, expecting him to crawl over my back, pin me down, crush me, and all I can do is hope that he won't make me pay attention anymore. I close my eyes, curl up, and wait. I hear the scuffling of his body moving across the floor again, up over my legs, up over my body, coming to rest in front of my prostrate face. And then, nothing. Not a sound. He's holding his breath. He's waiting for me, waiting for me to look up. It must have been several minutes, and I'm beginning to care less and less what he'll do. Plus, for some reason, I feel like I'm not flat enough to the ground. I move a little, spread my legs out, open one eye craftily. Ah, he's gone. That's good, though I am alone again. I lay on the floor panting, filthy and exhausted. I should get up, get out of here. But it's important to remain as flat as one can. That much I can say for sure. It's comfortable to lay down, to stretch out like this. The noise of the train is louder down here, and the constant noise blots out all others, creating a new silence. I'm a little exposed here, though, I think, inching back to that spot under my seat which I had recently vacated, for some reason. I can't remember why, but I have a new clarity about it now. It's dark, and it's still warm, and it has a good smell. I still have one shoe on, which is silly. I take it off and touch it with my teeth gently. Things down near the floor are simpler, there's nothing to worry about. And now the train is slowing down, the rusty brakes bringing the huge mass to a jerking stop. The doors open, a burst of cold wind blows through the car, and then I see a pair of women's feet step down the aisle and come to rest a few seats in front of me. I try to stop the triumphant giggles at my throat. I don't want to make her jealous of my spot. The train takes off again, and I think to myself, It would be nice, after all, to let her in on this secret of mine. Spread the good news, so to speak. It's not every day that one can see things so clearly. So I begin to slowly inch towards those feet in front of me, the rushing of wind past the metro car and the bumping of wheels around the tracks, helping to muffle my giggles. I can honestly say I have not a care in the world as one of my chipped, dirty fingernails scratches slowly across the black, polished heel of her boot. And that's our story. I hope you liked it. And I hope that next time you're in the subway and you see that crazy homeless guy with the long hair who's kind of twitching and singing Carry On My Wayward Son by Kansas, you'll realize that he's not crazy. He's just a overworked, Underpaid and underappreciated Joe, just like the rest of us. Tune in next week for episode four of the Travelcast. In the meantime, check out www.normsherman.com for some pretty sweet tunes. Send in your stories and your comments to goatkeeper at hotmail.com. And always remember, it's important to remain as flat as one can. That much I can say for sure.